Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Bob Rogers, Chief Data Scientist for Analytics and Artificial Intelligence Solutions at Intel. Welcome, Bob. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You know, it's been a while since you've been on the program. And last time we were talking, we were talking big data, but the conversation has shifted to artificial intelligence. Why don't you tell me about that? So it's really a natural transition because if you look at what artificial intelligence really is and why it's taking shape now, it's all 100% data-driven. In the last few years, we've seen some big advances in computing capability. We've seen some advances in algorithms, and those advances, particularly around distributed machine learning, that makes it possible to do more classical machine learning on large distributed data sets, but also advances in deep learning around how you teach deep learning systems to identify objects and concepts in unstructured data. And then finally, the final driving force is that we have access to unprecedented amounts of data, both raw data coming from the internet, but also annotated data, everything from annotated image sets to data sets that are being annotated privately in data centers for very specific applications. So big data was the beginning of learning how to harness data, and now AI is taking advantage of that and creating really interesting systems that can understand what's in data in ways that many cases appear human-like. So when I think about AI, I start thinking about science fiction, the rise of the machines. Uh (laughs) But I assume that that is not why we're investing in this space. So tell me where AI is today. How do we interact with it without even knowing that we're dealing with AI? And where do you think it's going in the short term? I like that you said rise of the machines because I recently published a blog called Rise of the Humans how Mm -hmm. AI is augmenting human capabilities. I think we have some really great opportunities for AI to augment what people do because computers are very, very good at handling data at scale, finding certain kinds of complex patterns in large data sets, but we're very good at finding subtle patterns in small data sets and also using tools. So if we think of AI as tools, we're particularly good at using tools. You know, you asked about how are we seeing AI in our daily lives. A Google search is a great example of this kind of intelligent system that really augments human capability. There's no way we could ever conceptualize the billions of pages of information that we would have to go through to find any particular piece of information. Search engines observe the searches we do, search through that information and present a ranked list of results, and then they monitor how we respond to those results to decide whether they need to improve the way they rank things. And then they've actually gone one step further to identifying at times pieces of content within web pages. So we're starting to see answers to questions come up, not just as web pages, but as snippets of information. That process is completely driven by Google watching to see how we respond to the information. And that's a theme that you'll see throughout AI and machine learning, that the really interesting opportunity is to start with a simple solution and then watch how it's used and how humans respond to it to figure out how to improve the result. 
What types of solutions today do you think are the most compelling that use AI? And where do you think the technology from a standpoint of industries will be adopted more quickly? I'm actually very excited about ways of using edge devices to gather information that can be accumulated in the data center, operated on, have models built, and then pushed back down to the edge. So a really cool example is the ultrasound. I was recently attending an ultrasound of someone's kidneys, and I asked the ultrasound technician whether they liked the system they were using, and they said, well, this one's not that great. I like the other ones we use. And I asked why. And they said, well, the algorithms are not as accurate on this one. Uh, So I asked, well, what do you mean? So she actually showed me that she could take a cross-sectional view of a renal artery, and it would automatically display the diameter of the artery. But she said, the problem is 40% of the time, I don't agree with the number. So I have to go in and manually update the number. Well, that was a huge aha moment for me because this is an expert who is using the device manually responding to the results of an analytics process, and those corrections to the algorithm do not go back to the mothership because the system is not connected. So you can start to see that connection to the endpoint, all of our different networking technologies that we're thinking about, including 5G, start to play a big role when you think about pushing that data back, being able to munge the data, and then push improved results to the edge. The story gets even more interesting when you realize that there is a huge amount of work going into building portable ultrasound devices right now. Once these devices are portable, you can take them to the point of care, the EMT or third world countries where there's a lack of access. But the problem is, how do you translate the very detailed training that current ultrasound techs have to these portable devices. You know, there's no opportunity if you can't actually capture good data. So AI systems are being developed for these portable ultrasounds that can take into account additional information, 3D imaging from RealSense cameras or other video information from the patient's chart to understand exactly what the objective of the imaging is, and then historical data about past images to really allow a less trained technician to capture valuable data that can be credibly used for clinical use. And then, of course, where that data goes, whether it goes back to an expert who's reviewing it or whether some sort of triage is done by another level of AI at the time, that's a topic for future development. But it all depends sensitively on this ability to capture more than just the basic information and put it all in context. Context is really the key to what AI is moving toward in the future. What are you most excited about from Intel, and what are you the most excited about in terms of what you're seeing from the software community in this space? What really gets exciting for me as a data scientist is that highest layer where we're pulling together analytics and software assets to be able to bring together a lot of different types of data easily and understand them. So in the ultrasound example, you're not always going to have all the same streams for every patient or for every situation. And so building very robust, elastic analytic systems that can take data from multiple modalities and 
easily assemble them together so that you can compute at the edge, that you can do modeling at the data center, and then push the results back out to the edge. That whole ecosystem, which is right now being driven by things like Intel's Trusted Analytics Platform, which is a broad platform for gathering data and doing analytics and then deploying those analytics, and also Intel's Deep Learning Training SDK, which gives us interesting ways to deploy deep learning algorithms and incorporate them into these processes. And then also, just from an analytics point of view, I see graph analytics actually playing a larger and larger role in the advanced AI solutions that are starting to emerge. And of course, that's a core competence of TAP and some really interesting open source capabilities that we've put out. So we're starting to pull these analytics pieces together in ways that are robust, elastic, and easy to use and deploy. And that just means more tools in more hands of people who are able to use them to solve problems. And that's extremely exciting. Bob, if you were talking to somebody on the line that is a software developer or a fellow data scientist, what would you say about engaging with Intel in this space? There are a large number of really interesting ways to engage with Intel. I mean, almost everything we develop has been put out into open source, and we have some very active developer communities around open source tools, the Trusted Analytics Platform, Spark, and um, there are a lot of interesting platform-level open source communities to get involved with. And there are needs to optimize everything from code efficiency and the way different things run. There's a lot of algorithmic opportunity. Intel has been really working to bring data to the people. And this is part of our goals around democratizing AI. You can't do a lot of data-driven work if you don't have data. So Intel is actually doing work with data.gov and with the Open Data Initiative and a number of other organizations to expose large, interesting data sets in the analytics platforms that we're using and encouraging people to solve challenges that they can then apply that experience to other problems. Where can folks go to find out the latest information on AI? You can find a ton of information, including all the different platforms and libraries and things, and also where to engage in developer groups, meetups, and data challenges, all at www.intel.com forward slash machine learning. And that's all one word, machine learning. Well, Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you for having me. As always, it's wonderful to talk to you. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash big data, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 